Well, hello there. Welcome back. So it's your boy, Debbie. I wanted to launch this season with a really, really special, incredible person. Alison Brie is not only an accomplished actress, you know her from Mad Men and Community and Glow and BoJack Horseman, but also, in my experience, a very cool boss. She co-wrote a movie called Horse Girl on Netflix this weekend with Jeff Baina. Jeff Baina directed it. Allison starred in it. And Allison gives just truly a face-melting performance. I mean, she's so special. And I thought she was going to be intimidating because I admire her so much. And she's so warm and lovely, as you'll see here. So she generously agreed uh, not only to come over and have this conversation about her new movie, Horse Girl, with me. But also, as I've sort of grilled her, like, hey, how do you navigate having a personal life with a very public person and social media and using that to sort of subsidize your narrative and work? And um, I also have grilled her about The Bachelor and strength training, and she has been a really warm and generous conversationalist. So I wanted to bring that to you guys. So she came over here, she played with Jim, and she sort of opened up about her new movie, Horse Girl. Just want to step into Horse Girl for a second. It's out now. You do you. It is a beautiful, thoughtful, compelling, unsettling film, which I I just think is directed and created with such an amazing team of people. It does track with Allison's character, Sarah, who begins to sort of learn to reconcile and try to figure out what she's experiencing and why it doesn't line up with what other people seem to be experiencing. If you are sensitive surrounding the conversation of mental illness, talk to your doctor, see if Horse Girl is right for you. There are reviews out there. There's a trailer out there. Check it out. I think the movie is really special and a beautiful tool for storytelling and a little bit of a window into this experience. And as Allison will explain to you, exploring what this fear feels like from a very personal place that hopefully directs the audience to a place of empathy, or at least that's what the reviews are saying. So without any further ado, here is the indelible Allison Brie. Hi, Allison. Hi. Thanks for coming over. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so, obviously, Horse Girl. Yeah. Just dropped. How That's the thing. Oh, oh my God. I've never been more excited for anything, <gasps> which is a cool way to feel coming out of Glow, which has been such a, like, the top job that that I feel like with Glow, I've been like, I've never been more excited about anything. Right, right. <laughs> um, but this is the first time I've I've written something and produced on the film side. And um, so it does feel like something that I've birthed mm. um, along with my co-conspirator, Jeff Baina, <laughs> our, our child, Horse Girl. Um, and it's such a personal story. And it also was a real opportunity for me to do something really different as an actress, which even when we were making it, I guess that was a big impetus for writing it, was sort of like my personal frustration with material I was reading and kind of not feeling very inspired and also wanting to kind of do something different as an actor. But then I I wasn't thinking about it that much while we were doing it, I think, because I was so in it. Mm. And it's funny now hearing people's reactions to it, um, even like the Duplass brothers who produced it, being like, we've never seen you do anything like this. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I guess that was the reason why I did it. But sure. like, you yeah. know what I mean? I guess even in our minds, I can conflate my own work into being like 
I don't know, something more than it is. I've done stuff kind of like this. Well, no, I guess not really. I mean. I mean, that is the tricky part about caring so much about everything you do, right? And like, especially you and the way that in Glow, and there's been just so much dimension and you've had like really exceptional places to sort of play and navigate and then to come into this. I mean, it's encouraging to me that you weren't going in with this large like forefront motivator of being like I'm gonna act my ass off like well I mean I'm sure I do I don't want to lie I mean I'm sure that that was a part of it certainly you know I would joke a lot when we were writing it and then you know looking at the schedule because I'm literally in every scene of the movie and and you know when talking to my managers about the schedule of it uh, there was some question about wiggle room per trying to do some other project or something. And I was like, no, you guys, uh, you know, I did write this movie for myself. So, of course, I put myself in every scene yeah. and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm really working it out, I'm really working that <laughs> acting stuff out. Um, I mean, obviously, for all of the reasons that Jeff was like so instrumental and so important. But, you know, in your own mind that it's not it's all to service the project the story. in a better way. Yes, I think definitely. But also, I think for both of us, we work so well together because we definitely have a system of checks and balances with each other in different ways. Sure. And the way that the whole project came together, which was very collaborative in terms of me saying, hey, I have this idea. Um, and he had earlier kind of spoken to me about a different idea. And then we sort of realized it's the same idea. Let's meld it into one movie. And that sort of unlocked the key to all of it. Mm. And we really wrote it together. I've had a lot of people asking me like, how do you guys work together? Does he do a pass and then he sends it to you and you do a pass? I was like, not at all. <laughs> we sit together for six hours a day, a few times a week, both computers open on the same program, mm. typing at the same time, like <laughs> talking through everything. And, you know, maybe I definitely, maybe my his checks and balances on me are maybe about that. Although I don't know. I was never getting carried away with like, I'd love a scene where I do this. Right. Yeah. Not at all. <laughs> yeah. Not at all. But I think, I think honestly, probably sometimes my ideas, he'd be like, my ideas were too basic and his ideas were too out there. So we found a happy medium and the movie's pretty out there. Yeah. But like, you know, I'd wake up to a text from Baina that I got at two in the morning about some crazy, you know, some <laughs> really uh, otherworldly thing and be like, and he'd be like, or is it too much? I'd be like, that, that's a little too much. That one's a little too much. Um, so when you guys met, did you guys meet, sort of taking it back a little bit, did you meet on Little Hours? We actually met on Joshi. And, you know, Baina actually has another story as we've started to do interviews about this, where I guess we actually met at Sundance years ago. I have no recollection. <laughs> He's like, yeah, you introduced yourself and like asked me to hold your bag while you went to the bathroom. I was like, cool. Good to know out, I, I was. Yeah. A real bitch. Uh, <laughs> he was like, really I'm going to hang out with real that Real entitled guy. bitch. Um, and I'm like, I don't even remember that. Uh, Should I ask him to hold my purse at Sundance? Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> well, so when he tells the story, he's like, well, I'll never forget it because also you introduced, you were like, I'm Allison Brie. Like, I found it funny that you said your whole name. I was like, look, man, I, I can't be responsible for my behavior at Sundance yeah. seven years ago. Also, like, I don't know you as well as he knows you, but it feels funny to me and interesting <laughs> to me because you don't seem it like a here's my full name. Like, I, there like, are- <laughs> I feel like it can only be explained by being in Sundance mode. I've been to Sundance now about five times and this will be my sixth time. And I just think you're in such a mode and you're meeting so many journalists and doing so many interviews. I'm sure I was like, hi, I'm Allison Brie. Uh, would you mind? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like full autopilot. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, that since I don't remember that, we'll consider my first meeting when he was doing his movie, Joshi. It was his second film. And he came to the set of Community. We were shooting our final season. We were now over at CBS Radford. We shot our first five seasons at Paramount. And then we got canceled. <laughs> and we shot our last season um, at, Radford. at Radford and in a basement. And he came over and like pitched me, hey, will you come and do one day of work on this movie? And I knew a ton of the cast. It was Thomas Middleditch and uh, Nick Kroll and, um, you know, a bunch of other, Brett Gelman, like a, a, just a lot of really cool people, Alex Ross Perry. And the idea sounded cool and the commitment sounded minimal. Minimal, yeah. And so I, 
So I did a day on Joshi, and that was really fun. I went to Sundance with those guys for that movie, even though I'm in it for about three minutes. <laughs> um, and then the next summer, he was making the little, I think it was the next summer, he was making the little hours and he pitched it to me. And then he also pitched it to my husband, Dave, to play different parts. And and we both ended up doing it, of course. And that too was like, you know, because the way Baina works is to write these outlines. So there's no real script. There's like a 20 to 30 page outline for Horse Girl. I think it was 35 or 36 pages. It was a little more involved. Um, but <laughs> the little hours, you can only imagine, was such a crazy pitch because it was about a comedy about 14th century nuns. Um, but you're going to talk regular. But it was based on these stories from the Decameron, which I had never read. It was so interesting to learn about Baina's history as a history minor or something <laughs> that turned into a major. I don't know. He's so smart and retains information unlike anyone I know. Mm. I'll be like, I read that book too. What happens in it again? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so we did the little hours and that was kind of a crazy experience. We shot it in Italy. It was wonderful to have Dave there with me and Aubrey Plaza is also in the movie who's Jeff's longtime girlfriend. So I think we all really bonded much more on that and became close friends. And Jeff lives really close to me. <laughs> this has been like a big factor, I think, in our growing collaboration because after the little hours, uh, you know, we do double dates with he and Aubrey every so often, but also, especially when Dave's out of town shooting something for a long period of time, because they live so close to me, I often will text them and be like, you guys want to go for a hike? Mm -hmm. And so Beta and I started taking these long hikes. And then on those hikes, we would start talking about, I mean, long, we would hike for like two and a half hours and talk about anything and everything. And the first thing actually came up was the horse girl part of this movie, because he was like, we started talking about if I had ridden horses, which I was like, this is a common misconception about me. A lot of people think I grew up riding horses. I don't know why. I don't know what about me That's gives that really impression. Funny. But I'm like, no, we lived in a duplex. We didn't like have money for that kind of expense. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but I love that people think I'm sort of posh or something. Um, and then I had been kicking around this idea for, I mean, probably... 10 years, 15 years, most of my life, because I grew up uh, hearing my mother tell me stories about my grandmother, her mother, who had paranoid schizophrenia. And I never really knew her, but there was this intense mythology that I grew up with, you know, hearing all of these stories secondhand through my mom. And they became so rote, you know, like I know them by heart. Um, and that also made me so fascinated with mental illness and its effect on the person who has it and also those around them. Mm. And then by extension, it's it, it sort of, I, I guess I realized that my fascination with it also was from a very selfish place of like, this is a hereditary disease that exists in my bloodline. And when I've experienced uh, deep depressions and things like that and feel so helpless, I get I feel really terrified. Like, mm. there's no way out of this. How is How is my body doing something that I can even sort of know that it's happening, sure. but I still can't find a way out of it? And that seems so scary. So the more that I, you know, I think when I was younger, and even my mom would always joke with me, like, well, when you write the story about, you know, mm -hmm. me and my mom, uh, there, there have been much more literal drafts, I think, in my mind about, like, what kind of story I wanted to tell about my mother's upbringing with her sure. mother. But ultimately, when it came time to really tell someone the idea, I was honing in on truly how it relates to me, why I personally am so fascinated by it. Mm. And again, it was really that that fear, that sort of, uh, you know, just that fear of 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 this thing existing in in my bloodline, possibly, you know, to have an illness like hiding in your genetic makeup. Sure. Uh, and also like one that truly convinces you and alters your perception of reality. Yes. So will I know if this begins to change how I experience and life? Do I even know right. when the thing is happening? Exactly. Yeah. So when I came to Baina, I was like, you know, m maybe there's a story about a woman with a familial 
history of of mental illness and and when some strange things start happening to her she doesn't know if they're real or not and she has a total lack of trust for her own mind like mm. that to me is the scariest right. thing to imagine sure yeah and you think like as the world has sort of evolved and as social media and conversation has sort of unlocked into a place of really approachability and it feels like maybe nothing is sort of off limits and we're able to really have conversations that the stigma has sort of shifted. There's been a lot of visibility into all of this. Definitely. This is the right timing. Oh, definitely. I mean, well, I love, I mean, to speak separately sort of about that as it does not, re- like sort of in a way that doesn't totally relate to the movie is sure. like, I do think it's, it's, it's really refreshing to live in a time where people are so open. Celebrities are very open about going to therapy and talking about depression and anxiety and and things like this because it it normalizes something that's been really stigmatized and that people again I think having been through bouts of serious depression you feel really helpless and alone you know and it's hard to reach out for help and and so it's it's like a nice even for me when I see someone uh, on Instagram, you know, someone like Kristen Bell or something talking about like it's it's a, it's cool to talk about going to therapy and I do it too and we all need help and you should ask for help. Even for myself, I'm like, oh yeah, that right. is a good reminder. Mm-hmm. But with this movie, I would say that it's we didn't set out to make like a mental illness awareness movie. You know, sure. it's really like an artistic manifestation of my personal fear about that. Sure. But then kind of combining that with with Jeff's ideas and some sort of surrealist concepts, um, it sort of became something else as well. I think that's but that's kind of much greater. And I don't want to give any spoilers about the movie. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there's some things that I that I can't quite say. But um I mean, I think the beauty of it is somehow you guys found a way of doing it in a way that is like so not literal while sort of introducing answers and then letting you know what questions they're answering and then introducing more questions and allowing people to sort of put the puzzle pieces together in their own head, much like I would say my experience with any sort of navigating a very tricky mental landscape is how if I'm putting these pieces together in a way that lines up with someone else's perception. Sure. Uh, I mean, I think the most important thing to us with this story was uh, like aligning the audience with the character in in such a close-knit way that they're on this journey with her. And she's a very unreliable narrator because she doesn't even really trust if she knows what's happening or not. And to put the audience in the in that shoes rather than just sort of watching her and possibly you know opening up to judging her i think we really wanted to put them on that ride with her and say isn't this isn't this scary mm-hmm. isn't this uncomfortable to feel this way i think if anything we really want to uh, you know instigate empathy towards people that are feeling this way you know what i mean mhm Yeah. It feels like for a while in a very straightforward sense, a lot of storytellers and filmmakers were sort of like, here is what you should be thinking and feeling and I will create that world for you. And I think what's super interesting and cool and really unsettling and really harrowing about this film (laughs) is that like, it doesn't tell you, you know, what you should feel. It just is like, yeah, to your point, isn't this scary? Well, that's our other, I think, you know, the two objectives were we really want the audience to be going on the ride with Sarah, our main character. And then the other side of it was that we really wanted people to have different interpretations about what's happening in the movie. And even through, you know, feedback from the, uh, you know, small amount of people that have seen it already. It's so interesting having conversations with people about it, just just as we'd hoped, where one person's like, so it's definitely this, right? And someone else is like, I mean, so this means this. And it, it, I'm, I'm ha- I, it makes me really delighted that people have different interpretations. And I also hope that it's something that you could, I mean, when we would go back through it, we would uh, talk a lot about if people were to watch it again, how can more questions be answered for mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. Um, if they're looking for those answers? Sure. And and probably even, even in this moment now, as the movie is totally finished and, and out and ready to be seen, 
I think that Baina and I have different interpretations of the end of the movie of like what exactly is happening to this character, sure, which cool. is pretty funny that even as we were writing it, it was like, well, I think it's this. And he's like, and I think it's this. And we're like, there's a way that it can be both. Right. Or either. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely, I think, to the point of where the viewer is at and how they're watching it and what they go into it thinking about it. And it's a bit of a litmus test in that way. Sure. Not meant to be, but you know right. what I mean? Yeah, where yeah. certain people, yeah, depending on what you're going through, what your personal experiences you might have, different yeah. interpretations. And in your beliefs. I think it's interesting. And I think, you know, Sundance, obviously, so special. Netflix film as a home for this. Ugh. The like best. Ideal? Yes. I mean, I, I, I'm I, a bit of a Netflix darling. <laughs> I've noticed. <laughs> really like working for them. <laughs> and it is, I mean, it, it's a testament to Netflix as a company that they were able to read this 35-page outline, which was pretty bizarre. You know, my own managers were like, we don't know about this. <laughs> um, we're, uh, we have a lot of questions. Um, and Netflix is like, yep, great. Go make it. And I mean, even that also really is even more a testament to the Duplass brothers because Netflix trusts them so implicitly and they are so good with improvised material um, and also everything they do is <laughs> sure, wonderful. Yeah. They have yeah. great taste. Um, and those guys really put a lot of trust in us and we're so on board and so cool from the very beginning and very and very hands off they were like do you guys have a handle on exactly what's going on in this movie and we were like yeah and they were like great you don't have to explain it all to us like go go with it you know and we're so excited and gosh I, I've never gelled more with a company a production company you know Mel Eslin uh was on set with us every day. She works, you know, for Duplass and, and Elena Carruthers was our other producer who was on set. And um, everyone was so supportive and so excited by the idea. And it's something also that I just love about doing independent film because I think, and especially with this project, we, you know, as we took it out to pitch it to some other producers and trying to find a home for it, we always kind of knew this movie is very unique and it's risky and it's not very straightforward. And and so it's going to find the people that are meant to be on board. Mm, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The just pitch sort of specific itself enough. was like weeding out people. If they're, cause, you know, obviously we don't want to make the movie with someone who's like, yikes, right. I don't get it. Or, yeah, or just doesn't have an imagination or doesn't want to sort of play sure. and watch it evolve. Exactly. So it was really fun to kind of like, you know, by the time when we pitched it to the Duplasses and they were just like, Yes, <laughs> we are so on board with this. It was such, it was very validating, but also it was like, oh, we've found our people. Like, nice. and it felt that way about everyone that worked on the movie. I mean, you, I think our actors, because we're at, you're really asking everybody to take a big risk on a movie that doesn't have a full script with dialogue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So do you want to get into that process a little bit? Because sure. that was definitely something that was the most exciting to me. And then the closer and closer I got to it, the more I was like, can I deliver? You know what I mean? Like these guys have spent a lot of time figuring this out and they probably have in their head an image of what it is and have left room for yeah. us to do that. And how are we going to do that? Well, the cool thing about putting together the cast for this and being on the other side of it was that I totally know how you feel because I was in that position for Joshi on a smaller scale, and but definitely for the little hours where Jeff is pitching me this idea. It sounds awesome in that it's super unique. It's unlike anything I've heard of. It sounds super fun. There's a ton of great people involved. And then there's this huge question mark of like, what is it? Mm -hmm. What's it going to turn out to be? And when we were shooting The Little Hours, I I had a lot of difficulty sometimes being like, this is all in Baina's brain. Mm. And are we doing it right? And what's it even going to be? There were definitely days with The Little Hours where I was like, I have no idea what we're making or if it's good or if I like it. Sure. Uh, <laughs> but, I, but I guess Baina's happy with what we're doing. Um and and also had fun with those people, but there was this huge question mark. And then when I saw the little hours, I was like, oh my God, it's like 
exactly what mm-hmm. he said it was going to be, but even a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And that was this major turning point for me in my relationship with Baina because I was like, oh, I really trust you now. Sure, I can go on the ride. Exactly. I mean, Josh, you was so great, but I was just such a small part of it. So I didn't really, I wasn't having that experience. I was like, oh, I had fun with you for that one day. Sure. Oh, it was a great movie. Cool. Congrats. <laughs> um And so for this, it was like a major advantage to write it together and then play the lead character because now it's in both of our heads and we're both, we can both be tools to the actors. Um, And personally, I'm not having a frustration of like, am I doing it right? Because I'm, uh, you know, uh, a co-creator of of what it is that we're making. But it it was nerve-wracking even for me as we were pitching it to actors like you and um, John Reynolds and people that we really wanted to do it. And you're like, I hope we're saying the right things that are going to make you want to do it. But again, I guess I would say the same thing. It was just like our mantra of this whole project, which was like, whatever's meant to be will be. If this actor really doesn't get it and is like not on board to do this, then that's not the actor that we want. We're not like trying to force anyone to have a miserable time doing something they're not comfortable with or excited about. Sure. Um, So it was fun to like unlock things as we were putting the casting together. And there were some people like Molly Shannon, who I think has been in all of Baina's movies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And she's one of the first people we wrote her role for her and talked to her very early on. I feel like maybe before we even had a draft. Um, or maybe we did have a draft, but you know what I mean? We were just like, come on, Molly, you can right. be on board. That was like not as nerve wracking. Sure. Um, I mean, how did you feel when we were talking to you about the idea? Yeah, uh, I had just watched The Little Hours. So great. I read it before I watched Little Hours and I was like, hmm. Um, <laughs> how does this become a movie? Yeah, I was like, I don't know what they want me to do. So like sort of to... To zoom out, it's a 35-page outline. Yes. It basically says, like, Sarah comes home from work and she's sort of doing her lanyard and she's <laughs> watching her crime show. And, uh, you know, Nikki comes in and asks her about this thing. And there's sort of, you know, this type of response. And then, you I, Yeah, know. I would say scene by scene, it's pretty specific in terms of, like, the, the objectives of the scene. Yeah. yeah, the conversations. And truly what it ends up being about, I mean, and trust me, there are moments where to Bain, I'd be like, should we just write dialogue for this scene? Just in case, yeah. But he really feels strongly about letting the actors put it in their own voices and that it makes everything feel much more authentic and real. And, you know, that things that are scripted can sound scripted, mm-hmm. even though I'm like, well, it's kind of our job to right. make it not sound scripted. Right, right. <laughs> but I do see where he's coming from. And it ends up being, for me, a really delightful collaborative process because it doesn't, it's not, to me, it doesn't feel like long form improv the way that like my husband, uh, you know, Dave did three seasons of Joe Swanberg's show Easy. And he would talk to me about being on set. And obviously they had stories, but that show's fully improvised in a way that's like, they'd be having this long conversation about whatever, and then it would turn into some other conversation. And Swanberg would be like, go with that. Yeah, mm. go there. <laughs> I feel like that is not what the set of Horace Girls like. No, no. I mean, I think that getting onto the set and figuring out sort of the process, going in, knowing the objective, and then yes. working with you guys and being like, okay, here's sort of whereabouts will settle. Like, okay, where does it feel like you'll settle? Where does it feel like you guys will kind of connect? And um, and then once the shape of it sort of really forms, then it's just doing that in a way that is much easier to keep fresh if you're not, you know, there's like a temptation, which of course, like rookie actors or less experienced actors, I would put myself in that category. This temptation is like, to um, almost repeat something that worked. You find sure. it, there's a magic, it clicks in, or, and then the next scene you're like, should I just do that again? And totally. you can't. Or all, I mean, even, uh, you know, as long as I've been working as an actor, there is a certain degree of you get a script, you memorize your lines, you decide how you're going to say things. And that's, it's an, a valid and important part of our job is making decisions, having sure. a, a a point of view that you're coming in with ideas about what, who your character is. So I do think that's an important thing. But at the same time, you know, then you can get into a, a, a 
place where you start to sound very rehearsed or canned or you kind of can't get out of your, I think the mistake is more when people get trapped. You want to like make really strong decisions and then be able to totally let them go if the director gives you a different note. Totally. Or watch them bend, right? Like just sort of like evolve them versus like um, locking into a melody. So, right. Okay, it it must be this. Because, right, it's all about ultimately being in the moment with your other actor. So you're like, I'm coming in with my decisions I've made and you're coming in with your decisions you've made. And now as hopefully in the moment we're actually listening to each other and that's informing. But And sometimes it feels like it is. And sometimes, you know, you work with people and you don't feel like, you feel like, oh, they've decided yeah, yeah. how they're doing this. They're not here with Nothing me. Nothing that I do is going <laughs> to affect, yeah, affect how they do this. And I guess that this process really ensures that being in the moment even more in a sometimes very scary way because you are like, God, I don't even, I don't even know what I'm about to say. Right. I don't even know what she's about to say. And it does, yeah, really put you in the moment in a way that I haven't totally experienced on on other jobs. Mm. And even in this, being a creator of it, a writer of it, and knowing what we are sort of wanting us to be saying in the scenes, you're still kind of like, well, I got to listen and see what she's going to do and say. And Well, and what a gift to be working with people who are so good at it and like have different angles, right? So like John Reynolds, Ugh. so good at improv, so good at, I mean, he's like a- I adore John Reynolds. I love him so much. We really wrote his part for him too. And there was a period of time where we were like, I hope we get John Reynolds. <laughs> we were so nervous. He was so perfect. And, but like, you know, doing a scene, which was y- with you. Yeah. And then with you and John Reynolds and then with Jake picking as well, who has like his own <laughs> thing and like three completely different actors, right? Definitely. And like finding how that works. You know, I felt- so comforted and automatically like informed and mm-hmm. you know to the point it's like you do have to rely on like like what's where's Allison especially because a lot of my stuff is really gauging yeah where you're at and how that checks in with what I'm sort of doing and so Definitely. there was something really beautiful you know initially I was super nervous being like okay she's gonna be acting and she is she's doing a lot so I don't want to come to her with the questions sure um and I was sort of trying to not bother you and then you're so <laughs> disarming and you're so like <laughs> well, and also you. just like impressively I was so excited and just floored by watching you be able to switch hit in a way that nothing was compromised you were able to be on the outside sort of fourth wall and you were able to be like so sincerely in it Thank you. I referred to it as a masterclass to you. And I like, it truly was. And I was like, I feel like that's like a, it's going to put it. Stop saying that, Debbie. You're being. Oh my God. Are you kidding? What a great compliment. And I'm at home like, oh, master. Oh my gosh. No, I mean like Um, it's, I watched the trailer after I watched the film and I was like, (laughs) oh my God. Like. It's a good trailer. It's it's a good trailer. It's such a good trailer. And like everything goes full send, which is so important because I, you know, knowing what I know about the process and knowing what I sort of found, a friend of mine wrote a memoir and was talking about how there's two uh, sort of characters. It's him in the memoir and him as the narrator and Mm -hmm. um, making really strong intentions about when what you're saying is coming from the sort of present point of view and coming from a reflective place, right? Oh, interesting. And it's something that's really fascinating to me about Sarah's sort of leaning against it and Sarah's exploring what it could be. And um, and then in sort of speaking with Molly Shannon's character about it and wanting to let people in and wanting to have like a North Star for like, yeah. is this weird? But also then understanding that no one else has the perception of reality that you have. So maybe they just don't understand. Yeah. I mean, um, it was a really interesting, gosh, there's so much I want to say about like still about the improv process on this movie. Um, But also to speak to this, I feel like a lot of what happened in the editing process is that we realized, you know, in wanting the audience to be exactly with Sarah on this ride, on a first pass, you sort of realize that the audience was a little bit of a step behind Mm. because so much is happening in her brain. Um, even just as she's figuring stuff out, there's a lot of scenes where I'm just like looking at something 
and silently thinking about something. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, you're like, how do I telegraph this like, in a way that's not the telegraphing audience this? isn't going to really learn what I'm thinking here <laughs> until two scenes from now when I say it to someone else. How can we show them in this moment what the thing is? And, you know, we would splice in flashes of things and um, it all came together in a really great way. But I would say that the same thing about the improvising on this movie. And again, to speak to that process, it's again, you know, we'd shoot a wide, which is like a big wide shot of the whole room and workshop the dialogue then. And then we pretty much would lock it in for all of our coverage, except in some scenes when we were kind of running behind and we had to just get into coverage. I don't think any of your scenes, there were some scenes where we're like, I don't know if we've figured out the dialogue yet, but we got to keep moving and yeah. we'll figure it out in the coverage. Put and a camera on our face that, and see what happens. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then we'll figure it out again when we're editing it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, it, it, you know, as I talk so much about like, oh, it was such an advantage being a writer on this and to be able to be like a full partner to Baina rather having it rather than having it only be in his head, you mm. know, I do think it was a great advantage. But there was this other funny thing that was happening that was like, Sarah as a character is so shy and awkward. And again, all this stuff that's going on for for a lot of the movie, she really is embarrassed to talk about what's happening to her. Um, and so I couldn't, as much as we had imagined in our mind, well, I'll be in every scene and I know what's going on. So I can guide the improv to where it's supposed to kind of go. Hmm. And then we would get in the moment and be like, Except I can't because I'm not going to really answer any other questions or say much at all. Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like for, I think with you specifically and also with John Reynolds where a lot of, we just realized right away, we were like, in all the scenes with John, he is talking, 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 talking. And I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I loved was when he is telling you about his ex. Oh my God. Your reactions seemed to be like someone who has watched someone in relationships would be like, oh, I know that that's a crazy thing, but I don't necessarily have relationship <laughs> no experience, experience to know. Yeah. Yet. I, I guess that that would be just trying to like be a, supportive. a weird thing, but I don't know. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. definitely. It played, yeah. I'm which glad. Was so oh, funny. I'm so yeah. glad. It totally played. Yeah, she's like playing. Yeah, it was quite funny. But that was a funny part of it of kind of like, but again, in the way that we do this, it's nice because then Jeff or I could pop in and be like, here's kind of what we need to have said. There certainly are scenes where you're like, a lot of the other characters have to do the heavy lifting of you bet you have you have to ask this question and you better make sure that this plot point is sure. said right um and again it was just so fun cuz everyone was so game i mean you brought up jake and he was maybe the last person that we cast in the movie and again it, the way that everything came together with this mu- movie was so magical it was a lot of kismet feeling uh and jake came in uh, maybe a day after Baina had said we should add we should add to the movie that this character does his own uh, chill hop because we're not going to be able to afford music <laughs> yeah. and we're going to have score for the whole movie. But this feels like a scene where we would want it's truly the only reason we added that uh, trait to the character was like we we'll want to have license to to like write some music to put in here. And Jake comes in to meet with him and he's like, so like did you write this part for me? Or I think it said Jake. I mean, the character. Brian. Brian, thank you. Yeah. Um, Brian, who writes his own mediocre chill hop. And so Jake came in and was like, so like, what are you trying to say? Like, I don't Hurtful. I don't feel like my music is mediocre. And Baina was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Amazing. <laughs> and it was just somebody who was like, you know, I write, I write my own chill hop. We were like, what? Yeah. Send us the music immediately. And it's in the movie and it's so good. And I feel like it needs to be pointed out that we also made him freestyle for like two full minutes. And that's in the movie as well. Although we had to whittle it down. And every time, you know, we did a few test screenings with filmmakers and editors and people like that. And um, not like the crazy big test screenings where you have like an audience of 200 moms from the Valley or Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, This is like a very curated uh, sort of screenings while we were editing and and then we just you know what everyone loved Jake's stuff so much but we just had to do a series you know movies are are all they run a little long and as we were trying to tweak it down we'd be like I guess we could cut two more lines out of and it just I would always be like not 
just don't cut. Let's yeah. not cut too much of Jake's freestyle. Can we leave in those? It's so, I mean, it's so special. I wish that there was just a little sort of capsule of some of those moments that could <sighs> exist somewhere. Cause they're, I mean, and I mean, that whole thing, like you guys dance, you and John Reynolds dancing. That's another thing that we cut a lot of it out. The original version of the movie just had like a solid eight minutes of us <laughs> dancing. I was like, guys, I feel like we could lose. Yeah five minutes of this and everyone was like no you're right and then after we cut it out I was like should we put some of it back in and everyone was like no 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 it's so good and like the I mean what were we smoking when we were all like smoking what were we smoking I don't even know you know they have all these different things on Mad Men it was a huge thing because every character except my character thank god uh, seemed to smoke, but the Campbells never did. So we didn't really have to. But if anytime I would come to set to be in like an office scene, all the secretaries were smoking this like fake cigarette herb herbal. Stuff. It's yeah. an herbal cigarette that's supposed to not be bad for you. And there's obviously no nicotine or sure, yeah. uh, tar or like anything bad. But it st- like... It doesn't feel good. It's still like you're a little cloudy being like, what am I smoking? Yeah, it's, like, it's like we're smoking like tea or something. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, yeah, it was also like so smoky in there. I don't know if it was or like, like the rosemary. It feels sure, like you're yeah. smoking like, like truly like from your herb garden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got some time. Yeah, I think um, the like cloudiness was amazing. It just worked with, I think that I saw the film first before it was maybe color corrected, but it wasn't oh, no. It wasn't like violently <laughs> not color corrected. It wasn't oh, like good. whoa, yeah. But it was interesting because uh, I remember being aware of it, but not feeling like it was like stoner den vibes. Sure, sure. And then seeing like the rest of the film and how that sort of cloudiness actually does progress a little bit as the cloudiness. Yeah, yeah. We definitely added atmosphere to give it a certain type of look. And the funniest part about that was having like our our lovely, amazing friends who were from the Duplass office who were like working as PAs for us for a day, like in there giving us smoke. More Ashley, more atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. Maddie, so much more smoke. atmosphere. Um, so when you were on set for this, doing sort of all of the things and having this, this like heartbeat that you had poured into for so long and this baby sort of be born, you know, you had been really scratching a different itch. Yeah. Was there sort of a transition for you to move straight back into purely acting? We, you know, we haven't actually started shooting our new season of Glow yet. Okay. But I am about to start shooting this movie and I almost feel a movie that I'm just acting in. And and it almost feels more terrifying. Like I'm just out there... You know, because it's going from, yeah, sort of having so much control and wearing all the hats and having so much insider knowledge. Like, that. then to be back on the other side, you just realize how little actors are told and know. Mm -hmm. And, like, I feel myself even being like, and can I get a tighter schedule? And can you give me more of an idea about this? And Sure. So, I don't know. There is a little bit of that. But at the same time, it also was a lot. I mean, Horse Girl... It was so fun. And I actually do think I have a knack for sort of having this very compartmentalizing brain. And I've never been the type of actor who is like method and is like, I got to stay in character the whole time, which was a great advantage on something like this to be able to pop out of it and have my producer hat on and talk to Bain about, you know, how we were shooting something or whatever. Um, But, but. It, there, the heaviness of what the character was going through on top of all that stuff, there was an overall exhaustion that God, I just remember pulling into the cemetery. This, it was the second to last night of shooting. And our final week, it was all nights, maybe just only three, three nights in a row. But um, it was the second to last day of shooting. So we're so close to the end. But it was this major cemetery scene with John Reynolds where... Uh, my character's in a pretty manic state. There's a lot going on emotionally. And I just pulled into the cemetery parking lot and then just sat there in my car, like listening to Mazzy Star. So, you know, <laughs> for a minute, just being like, I don't know if I can do it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> like, right. It was just like, just really gearing up. And, I, and then I feel like I got on set and was talking to Roz, who was doing my makeup and... She was like, well, tonight's not too big of a night. We just have these two scenes. I was like, Roz, yeah. it's a it's a big night. 
I'm turning myself Roz, inside out. Yeah. How dare you? <laughs> I'm deeply, profoundly exhausted. Roz. And then at the end of the night, she was like, oh yeah, that was a lot. You know what? It's different that I read it on the page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Especially with all of the chaos that you're sort of conjuring. And um, I think there is something to be said for, you know, there are times and scenes where we meet you and you're already sort of mm-hmm. in the state, right? Yeah. But in the scenes, particularly where you go from one place to all the way in and sure. it's a full journey in one yeah. scene. It felt just exhausting to watch. Did you decompress yeah. after? I mean, how how did you navigate that? Yeah. Were you able to sort of just sit and stare at a wall for two weeks? You know, I feel like right after we wrapped, it was my mother's 70th birthday and we went on like a trip to Ojai, like me and my mom and my sister and my mom and I were just like laying by the pool popping like a weed espresso bean and like, <laughs> and then Aperol spritz for three days. And I was like, this is nice. Nice. Good. Good. Um, so there was that was the decompression. But then we went into editing and this is my first experience really, again, being so deep. I mean, you know, I edited the episode of Glow that I directed, but I'm not in that episode really. Mm. So that was a really different. And with the editing process on this, I mean, I should say it's all Baina. Like Baina was in post. It, it's all Baina. But I would come in, you know, I was like, I'm not going to come into editing at all. I don't even want to know what's going on. And then like one day into editing, I was like, I'm coming in tomorrow. Yeah, I, yeah. I, have to, I, need, I still I have to be con- in, on this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, I can't release control uh, just yet. <laughs> but I was just talking to Dave about this last night. I was like, I don't understand actors who don't watch their own work. I, I mean, I guess I understand them, and everybody should obviously do what works best for them, but I just am not that way at all. I watch everything I've ever done. I I, I, I can't imagine not watching it. I feel like I learn a lot about how I work from watching it. Of course. Also, I'm so curious to see how the thing turned out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Um, and And... And I'm a big fan of a lot of the stuff I do. Are you kidding? I love watching Glow. It's my favorite show. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm a d- total narcissist. <laughs> but my God, to talk about just when you were saying watching this before it was color corrected, I was like, oh, that's like my worst nightmare. I definitely like to see stuff finished. You know, sure. every project I've ever done when they're like, do you want to see this early cut? I'm like, not at all. Right. I want to see the final thing when the color looks nice and I look good and the right music is in. In. And this process was the edit being in editing was very difficult for me. The first time I watched it, Bane is like, I've been editing for a couple days. It's already in a really cool spot. Come in and take a look. And I did. And then I was like, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to say hysterically crying, but I definitely was like, it was a very anti-climate, like uh, just me, Baina, and our editor in a tiny room. The movie ends. There's just like a thick silence. And I was like, I'll be right back. And I walked outside and was like, I just need a minute. (laughs) And Baina was so freaked out because he was, because again, like in the same breath as I'm saying, I love to watch all my work. The first time I watch anything, I still... How can you not? I mean, do you have that? For the first time I watch anything, I am like, what am I doing with my face? What's, yeah. what's that? Also in this movie, you know, I have a full frontal nude scene that is specifically designed not to be an attractive scene. It is not meant to be sexy. It's like meant to be horribly vulnerable and uh, like harrowing. And it was to sure. watch that first time. You know what? It was just so, it was like I was bombarded with my own performance and my body and my face and like <laughs> yeah i mean but i think that that's great because it indicates like how not aware of it you are and like it's it's really not i had to i have still to tell myself all the time like how not my business it is what i'm doing with <sighs> my face you know yeah so well i guess or in like, that way as a second ago i was like i don't get why people don't watch the work i actually of course i totally get it because a lot of the time you, you don't want it to hinder future work that you're gonna do right sure you don't want to like i feel like early things i would watch i would go oh my god i did so much with my face i should never move my face again right, right, right. and you're like no you should just not be thinking at all what you're doing with your face and just yeah. be in the moment of the scene or just um, kind of cherry pick and say like okay it's not my it's not my business that I have a double chin when I like make 
this face or say this thing, but like it is my business whether or not this thing is telegraphing because in my mind it felt really oh, visible, but it didn't show up. Definitely. And in that way, that's where watching work has been an asset where when I was watching early work, I realized coming out of theater school that I was like, eyebrows, face, right. you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> eyes, eyes. Yeah. I was like, you could relax, just relax a little bit. You don't Same. need to telegraph, just like you said. It was kind of like- It's interesting because I, at first was like, oh my God, like I am an overactor. I fell victim to the Disney of it all, blah, 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 blah. And yeah. then I saw videos of myself just like existing. And I'm like, oh no, I'm like very expressive. Like, Definitely. And I realized that in acting, especially the closer the camera gets to my face, the more I have to really neutralize what happens yes. because I- I just exist loudly. Yes, me too. Me yeah. too, definitely. And yes, but I mean, I will say that was not the issue with this project. It was more the extreme vulnerability. And yeah. I, I I, would venture to say I've never been more vulnerable in a role. And so watching it the first time, and because I, the material itself is... is uh, so attached to me and the stakes have never felt higher in terms of I just want it to be the thing I wanted it to be. And so it was really hard to watch that first time. And of course, you know, then I was right back in the edit bay the next day. And, you know, two days later, I was like, you're right. It's amazing. I right. It. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So do you want to sort of speak to the evolution of TV? Because I feel like what's been interesting is Ooh. like, as sort of television has evolved into, and digital streaming has been introduced. Yes. And there's been a lot of real legitimacy earned in a in a TV space over the last <laughs> like 10, 15 years that wasn't really there when I was growing up. Sure. Right? Like the, there are dream roles now on TV. And as it's evolved, um, I feel like all of the projects that you've done have been really at the heartbeat of just like quality stuff as it's evolved. So uh, have, I mean- it, a t like this indie sort of being on a TV and digital platform. It's very cool. I, you know, my journey with it is, I don't know. It's maybe it's unique because my first real show was Mad Men, which was cracking open exactly what we're talking about. I feel like that was one of the first shows that, that uh, you know, brought in this golden age of television. And it was on AMC, a network that never didn't have original programming prior mm -hmm. to that. And, um, I was so lucky to to have that be one of my first jobs and then to get on Community, which was a show that was really pushing the boundaries in terms of what you could do in network television. And I got to see sort of what network television is and meant and, and really watch firsthand as Dan Harmon had to kind of like wage a war against NBC in order for us to be able to do anything that was especially creative or unique. Mm. Um and now, so, and and what was a real great vantage point was was working simultaneously on Mad Men and Community and saying, like, at that time, there were no streaming services, but it was just like a a, a good close-up look of 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 sort of how things work on network television, where you're trying to appeal to as large of an audience as possible versus what was happening on a cable show, which was sort of like you could be a little bit more niche and you could kind of uh, have a singular artist's vision that you were catering to a bit more. And and that was much more gratifying. And not to say, I mean, both experiences were so wonderful. I loved working on Community, but even just watching, you know, Matt Weiner didn't have to go through, to my knowledge, the stuff that Dan Harmon had to go through sure. to be able to execute, like, his pure vision. And, and you know, who knows if it was ever pure because it was always a battle with the network. Whereas on AMC, at least, they were like, Matt, great. Sure. <laughs> we don't yeah. we don't really make shows. <laughs> yeah. Do do your thing. Um and then with Netflix, I feel like they've taken it to this whole new level because they they are so about uh diversity and singularity and 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 speaking to niche audiences. They have the luxury of making so many shows that the objective is not let's create one show that everyone loves. It's like we're going to create a bunch of shows that can cater to all the different tastes that people have. Mm. So it's been really fun to work on that show and watch my bosses, Liz Flayhive and Carly Mensch, be able to like really purely create what they want to create and have the full support of Netflix the way that we did on this movie. Um and 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 get to do some of the best work of my career. Uh, at the same time, it's it's this interesting thing, you know, when people talk about like 
TV actors and film actors and and how TV has so much respect now, uh, the way that film does. And my experience with that is, is like, I guess it's sort of still up in the air, you know? It's a weird time now. So many people who are already established as movie stars are doing television. Mm -hmm. So people go like, see? Mm. TV, it has the same clout as movies. And you're like, well... I mean, like when, when Nicole Kidman is doing a show, she has as much clout as a movie star because she is a movie star. Sure, interesting. Um, but I don't know. I mean, you know, I still have like my own dad being like, oh, it'd be so great if you were like a movie star. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah. You know, I feel pretty good <laughs> being a successful actor, period. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, a, he's very supportive, but he has this thing in his mind because very old school mentality of like, but movies mm-hmm. are the thing. Of course. And what's been interesting to reconcile as I have that discussion, like within my own family and wanting to like please my father and have him be proud of me, which he very much <laughs> is. Um, but I have to have that own, I've had to have that own conversation with myself of going, you know, I've been afforded such better opportunities in television for fulfilling roles Mm. than I have so far on the film side, Mm. though I've done some really fun movies that I'm really proud of. Um, And now this, of course, is a much different story. And lately, I feel like I've been able to kind of hone in on stuff. But on a a smaller plot, I guess it's like I've had to just have my own reckoning with myself in the past few years of of sort of saying does any of that matter like at the end of the day I just want to be really proud of what I'm doing and I want to to feel like I'm putting out good work mm. into the universe and stuff that I believe in that has a message that I believe in and it doesn't matter if it's in film or TV. And if it is a movie, it doesn't matter if it's a tiny indie or a big studio movie. Sure. And in fact, it's been, especially last year, writing and making this movie and watching my husband write his first movie and direct that. And I got to act in that. And that's a, you know, a small, low-budget horror thriller. And I've these are like the two most fulfilling jobs I've ever done. And it was a much more exciting thing to realize, like, especially early in my career, really striving to be like, I want to be in studio movies. Right, like, yeah. TV's been great, but right. when am I going to be in those big movies? Um, and really, truly being able to let go, I mean, you know, still take a job in a studio movie. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But like letting go of it in the larger sense of going, oh my God, I've, a- I've actually, I'm much more fulfilled when I'm like satisfying these like kooky, artistic sides of myself or speaking about something I'm really passionate about or things like that. And and the fact that you can do that on a streamer, to me, it's amazing. Yeah. Because you're not contending with an opening box office weekend. Right. Which to me is like, when will that go out of style? But it won't because movies, I mean, and I love movies and I love big movies and going to see them. And I get that the stakes are so high for those kind of things, but it's just an interesting, I don't know. As an actor, I'm like, I can kind of be fulfilled doing anything. So let me just tap into the really yummy stuff. I mean, I also, I think that I don't know, I don't know what has come across your desk and what you've said no to. I know that like behind any actor with like a career like yours, which is just every single role is like right on the mark and so legit and like beautiful projects. I imagine that for that, there's (laughs) been a thousand no's and a thousand things that you've chosen not to do. And also a few yeses that I'm sure you haven't seen and you don't ever need to see. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, Um, So when you accepted Glow or when you sort of moved forward in that process, the physical training aspect, was that a new thing for you? Was that like, because during Horse Girl, you would wake up, train. (laughs) It's a big part of my life now. I'm going straight there from here. Yeah, Um, She's a fitness guy. It's true. I, it it was, it was new-ish. I had actually been training at this point. I've been training with my trainer for almost nine years. So I started training with him probably around our third season of community, but it was much more casual. It was kind of just like a couple different people had brought up to me that strength training was a good thing that you need for your body and versus, you know, that kind of thought process of an actress just being like, cardio, cardio, cardio. I should just be as thin as possible. Yeah, totally. Uh, that's the goal. <laughs> um, you know, and I was mostly just running, you know. Um, It was nice to kind of engage with muscle building in a casual way. But then 
as I started to gear up for GLOW, and even prior to GLOW, I just started to really tap into my strength training and be like, I, and realize that I was, I've never been an athletic person. So to suddenly realize that my body was capable of things I had never imagined was mm. really cool. Yeah. And I started to really want to work on a job where I could be physical. I was like seeking out, trying to really audition mm. for action movies and things like that, which are, people do not look at me and think about that at all. <laughs> um, and then for GLOW, when GLOW came around, I sort of to my trainer was like, all right, if I get this job, they would want us to do our own stunts. Like, even as I was auditioning for the show and, you know, I really fought for my role on GLOW, I was already with my trainer being like, let's go hard. Mm. Let's up the ante. And then when I booked the job, we really had full reign to be like, I'm going to be doing my stunts on this show. He was like, okay, first and foremost, we want to protect your body. Let's build muscle so you don't get hurt. And the byproduct is going to be, you look amazing. And mm -hmm. I was like, I like all of these things. Yeah, great. Um, and then it became a real sort of healthy addiction, I think, because there was so much positive reinforcement, especially tied into the wrestling on GLOW and learning, you know, outside of my training with my trainer, Jason Walsh, we're learning to wrestle with Chavo Guerrero Jr., a pro wrestler, and Shauna Duggins, our stunt coordinator, our multiple Emmy-winning stunt coordinator, and Helena Barrett, who is my personal double and uh, is with us through all our training as well. And the 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 wrestling training experience on on GLOW was so empowering because it was that same idea of, wow, I'm capable of so much more than I ever imagined physically. Mm. And at the same time, I'm like cradling my partner in the ring and like offering her so much like love and support while we're executing these crazy super physical moves together. Sure. Um, and it's it was a lot of overcoming fear um, as you're literally diving headfirst into some of these moves. You can't do them halfway. They're mm. sort of like learning the idea of a move and then you got to just go for it. Um, so that was very integral to like who, who I am now. And and also just a reconnecting with my body. When I was younger, even, you know, looking back at photos of myself, I'll, I'll be like, I always, you know, had a great body. I wish I appreciated it then the way I am able to appreciate it now. Um, I always, I, I really hated my body. I was really at odds with my body. And I spent a lot of time overthinking things. It was a waste of time. Um and overanalyzing and 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 being so angry with myself, like, and then doing the wrong things or doing unhealthy things to try to make my body be the thing I wanted it to be, or I thought other people wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. And so tapping into strength training and wrestling, it sort of became this really healthy reconnection to my body to be like, oh no, I need to love you and trust you body mm. and um, work with you and do things that are actually really healthy for you and feed you and give you rest and, you know, do these all, all of those types of things that like, I, I love the idea of strength training because it's all about you know, positive ideas about gains, about gaining muscle, yeah. about getting stronger, about being able to lift heavier. It's not about losing weight, getting skinny or, sure. you yeah. know, things yeah. like that. Retraining so been, that programming that as women like is so just also reinforce like that we are, you know, we can say that it's in our heads, but like the world physically rewards you for it. Like I've oh, seen it happen. definitely. And, but yeah, strength training, I think has been so beautiful. It's cool to hear your relationship with it, especially, um, I see a lot of correlation between that and my mental health. And when I'm doing it, 100%, I'm balanced. 100%. <laughs> not like 100%. It's such a release for me. And that's another part, yes, of the healthiness of it, of going like, not only is this good for me physically, but absolutely mentally. There's a major difference when I'm getting up and working out than when I'm not. And now it's just so routine mm. for me. I, I work out six days a week. Like it's the first thing I schedule into my, I don't miss it. It would, it's like not an option. Awesome. You know? Yeah, it's cool. It's inspiring. Thanks. Okay. So <laughs> I just want to ask you as we send you off into the world, oh. send you off back into the gym. Yes. <laughs> um, what are you grateful for? Oh man, um, I'm I'm so grateful. Well, first of all, I, my husband. It's like the first thing that came to my mind. I, I'm really grateful that I've found this partner in my life that's so inspiring to me. And lately, especially watching him direct on this movie that we worked on together, I was like, just fell in love with him all over again. I've just been so grateful for 
the way that we appreciate each other within our relationship and the positivity that we bring to one another. Um, and for my family and friends, through this process of making my movie, seeing like uh, this overwhelming wave of support from people that I love and how much they're there for me. Um, I, I'm I'm really grateful to have made this movie, to have all these people support us and, and trust us and, uh, you know, come along for this ride. The whole time we were making Horse Girl, Jeff and I would kind of look at each other and we'd look around the set at the crew and the other actors, everybody like put it, just working their butts off. And we'd be like, everyone that's here is putting in hundreds of hours to, to just realize our vision of mm. this thing that we wanted to make. Mm. It was really beautiful and touching. Um, so, yeah, these days, and I'm, I'm really grateful for the work that I've gotten to do and that I currently get to do and to all the people that watch that work and to fans, you know, that without them, I wouldn't be able to really continue to do this thing that I do. So for fan support, I'm very grateful. So a lot of things. I'm in a grateful mood. What a great question. <laughs> I'm, here I'm grateful for to you for doing our movie, for having me on this podcast. I'm grateful to you for taking a chance on me. I'm really excited about it. You're so great in it. I'm excited for everyone to see it. Yay. Thank you. I love you. Thank you. I love you. Isn't Allison so cool? I truly could talk to her for hours. I think she's incredible. So I hope you like Horse Girl. I hope that you approach it from a place of kindness and just, if you're going to go on the ride, go on the ride because it is one hell of a ride. Um, I'm really grateful to Jeff Baina and to Allison, Bree, and to the Duplass brothers and to Mel and to everyone who put me in this film. It was such an incredible experience and to John Reynolds and Jake Picking and Goobler. You guys are awesome and thanks for making it so cool. So guys... Check out Horse Girl. It's on Netflix. Go be kind to someone today. You have no idea what they might be experiencing. Have an amazing week, and I'm going to come back soon with a very, very special guest. Bye. Bye.